Hey everyone, welcome to episode 28 of the Brosane Detroit Pistons podcast. I'm Carl Rosane. And I'm Alex Rosane. Today we're doing a special edition where we are looking through this awesome spreadsheet of all-time great NBA players that Alex has been working on in fits and starts for, I don't know, two or three years. And we're going to look at, we're going to focus on who the best Pistons are, primarily through that lens, and we can discuss kind of the, the fun nature of trying to quantify what makes great NBA players. Uh, and, and I don't think we're going to get it just perfect, but I think it'll be fun and uh, a good off-season diversion. Absolutely. So why don't you start, Alex, by telling us about the spreadsheet and how it got started. Well, one day while I was uh, on the computer, I just decided, I got curious about, you know, who, who is the best power forward of all time? Uh, and I looked up some stats and, and thought and tried to think about what goes into that. And I looked at some other discussions and, uh, you know, put together a, a list of just what's on basketball reference. So, you know, how, how good was a guy in terms of his PER and his offensive win shares metrics that we've talked about before, but also um, earning uh, honors from, from the league and from the other players and so forth, like being on, being on an all-star team, being on an all-NBA team, being at, winning MVPs. And I had that for a while. And then, of course, everyone thinks that, ch- thinks that championships matter a lot. Larry Bird and Isaiah Thomas wouldn't be who they are without winning titles, so I had to think about how to take that into account. Uh, and then, of course, I didn't want Ben Wallace to be shortchanged uh, or Bill Russell. Uh, so I tried to think about how to take defense into account. And I ended up with those four categories of uh, one, just their, their objective deadliness, just using met- advanced metrics, how efficient and high volume and just basically overall deadly were they on offense. That's about a quarter of the overall uh, weighting. A little over half is just these league honors. You win the MVP award, that's great. You make an all-star team, all-NBA teams, that's great. Yeah, and what's what I thought was pretty cool is about this is that when you actually add up all these points, maybe you fiddled with them so that it passed your own eye test. But, I mean, the top ten that you that, – that the way it landed looks pretty good to me. You have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar – Michael Jordan, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, and LeBron James are the top five of all time. And, um, you know, that seems like those are all – I think those are on everyone's top ten list at least. I I definitely did fiddle with it to see if it passed the eye test. And, you know, once we get uh, up this high, if people are pretty close to each other, there's definitely a margin of error. So, you know, Kareem is slightly ahead of Jordan on this. But, you know, if you want to argue that Jordan's better than Kareem, you know, they knock yourself out. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, you know, Bill, Bill Simmons's uh, book of basketball, that I think it's like an 800-page tome, the last several hundred pages of which are him ranking his all, best all-time players. He goes into a lot of stuff that I don't take into account, like which MVP awards were more impressive than others because there was a lot of competition. And, like, you know, was Kareem kind of a turkey? And, uh, and is Larry Bird so legendary that like no numbers can possibly capture it and all that. I, I just I just go in what can I, what I can scrape off the basketball reference. I have had some good corroboration though where um, there's a string of games where um, Mark Jackson on ESPN as an announcer would just mention who he thinks are top five players at different positions of all time. You know where does Dwayne Wade fit on there, things like that, and just one of the side discussions and. Uh, Every time he said that, it matched what my spreadsheet says. That's kind of interesting. Uh, so at least it passed my eye test, and apparently I agree with Mark Jackson on, on <laughs> the way players. I, I bet he relied more on having actually met and played against these guys, whereas I'm, I'm sitting here with my spreadsheet you know, uh, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so just a quick review, the breakdown is about, about just over half league honors if, if you are, and, and that's a good way of just taking into account almost like the collective brain of experts about who, yep. including all-star first team NBL, second team and MVP being, being the league MVP is equivalent to being first team all NBA and, and um, you know, two seasons, it's, it's, it's six points versus one, three points. Right. So I try, I try to do that. If you, if you have uh, six seasons as a run of the mill, all-star it's worth that one great season before you got hurt of winning MVP like Derek Rose, uh, for example. Good, so, yeah. so it's a, uh, you know, it, it's the, the real edge cases there are, or the, the real tension here is how high was your peak versus how long was your peak? So you end up with, if someone just has a couple of legendary seasons that's unbelievable, how much is that worth compared to a guy like Tim Duncan or Carl Malone, who is just like the, the fifth best player in the league, like 10 years in a row, you know? And there's no, you know, the, there's no scientific right answer to that. It's more just like, I think what this really measures is like your accumulated accomplishments. It's not... It, I can't say that these guys are the best player. What does that mean? From which year of their career? Are you putting together a team? You know, you have, um, you know, Carl Malone uh, or uh, Charles Barkley would be hard to build a team around right now, like like Griffin is finding out. You're a real athletic, undersized power forward. You know, so what does that mean for your best player rank? I don't know, but I, I'm just adding up kind of your your trophies in your trophy case of uh, accomplishing good, good things in the NBA. And it was a fun way to look at it, and it's it's fun to see where the Pistons come out. Yeah, and so as we turn our attention to the Pistons, just keep that in mind that the, these are really focusing on the breadth of the career. We'll also see that we're going to have to do some filtering because some of the players who are on this list you wouldn't really think of as awesome Pistons because when they played with us, um, they they were past their prime. So let's just start. The highest-ranking Piston of all time on this list is, drumroll please, Adrian Dantley. <laughs> so, <laughs> the record, record scratches, I think we just lost, you know, Half our listeners, all twenty of them, and so this is a this is a great uh, example of how when you're trying to say the best Pistons of all time or the best any team of all time, you run into something really important, which is what about guys that split their career? Uh, Pistons fans who watch the Bad Boys era will remember Adrian Dantley as a guy as a good like secondary or third scorer, um, but who you know wasn't really that impressive. Uh, then we ended up trading him for yeah. Mark McGuire. And yeah, and, and he was pretty good for us the year we won the first championship in 89. And then we traded him, so he wasn't there. So he wasn't valuable enough that we kept him for our second championship. That gives you an idea. But but why is he on this list? Why is he so high? Because when he was with the Utah Jazz, before he came to the Pistons, he was, um, people forget, an unbelievable offensive player. Uh, he, so... He gets almost all of his points from the objective deadliness category. He didn't make um, that many all-star teams, even. He, um, he made six all-star teams, which is, which is really good. But he was second team all-NBA twice, and that's the only other thing he ever did. But what he did was, if you like offensive win shares, like I do, he was top ten nine times, top five in the league seven times. That's more than, you know, Steve Nash did. Uh, it's more than... Uh, other big names. It's similar to John Stockton and Chris Paul. Yeah, um, and, and he averaged over 30 points four seasons in a row and averaged like just under that for the, the seasons around that. So just to right. give you, like, most people don't ever do that. He, he led the league in PER once, which, which is you know really tough to do. So, so far, Steph Curry's done that once. 
You know, Tr Tracy McGrady did that once in his career. So, but but basically, uh, just to close the Adrian Dantley chapter, before he got on the Pistons, he he racked up a lot of accomplishments by being this crazy like savant post scorer as an undersized post player. He, 30 points a game, shooting almost 60% from the floor, shooting like 12 free throw attempts a game. It was insane. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't even know if modern offenses would even work with that style of play before people, the George Blahas of the world will talk about him putting his butt into somebody, you know, backing him down and being a post guy. Apparently, you, you just had to follow him. Um, so that, that, was, that was kind of a, a, a false start. He's, yeah. he's, not, he's not the greatest piston of all time. He's... He's the best player to have played a lot of time on the Pistons in any part of his career, I would say. Um, but but he, you know, he's up there um, as the, you know, I think a top fifty guy of all time. Uh, well, and that's the thing where if, if we were going to debate, I might debate that Isaiah Thomas, who we'll, we'll turn to next, is fifty fifty first best player of all time, and he's a top eleven point guard of all time. Uh, and so he's only like, he's within ten positions of Adrian Danley. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but. I, I would think that if you if you, if you asked any basketball commentator or just had some sort of collective sense among NBA fans who leaves more of a punch in your memory, no one's ever talking about Adrian Dantley getting snubbed from the Dream Team, for example. Right. So I think I think Isaiah Thomas, you could argue, is a better all-time player, and he's certainly the best Piston of all time. And and it's a great example of how um, trying to make a spreadsheet to say who's the greatest player of all time. <laughs> uh, uh, at a minimum, it has some limitations. Uh, probably is a waste of time, but hey, yeah. But we're the Brosane, so we, this this is the way we o do things. Overthinking it is a way of life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, next is Isaiah Thomas. He is the greatest Piston uh, of all time. Uh, he did all of his great accomplishments while in the Pistons. Yeah. Again, near that number fifty, you know, player of all time. He ends up on the overall list, really similar to um, Jason Kidd, Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady. Bob McAdoo, Dominique Wilkins, uh, kind of Patrick Ewing kind of uh, level. Um, but what's interesting is he does almost all his damage um, with the league honors category. He he made a lot of all-star teams. He was first-team All-NBA three times, which is really hard to do. 12-time All-Star. 12-time All-Star. Um, and But if you go over to those, like, did he rack up a lot of win shares and PER? He accomplished almost nothing there. He was top 10 in PER twice, top five, zero times. So he's a guy who everybody knew he was good. Everybody who knows basketball knows he's good. Everyone uh, who was old enough remembers him being a, a legendary playoff player. He could take over a game. There's that, what was it, 14 points and a two-minute span kind of thing, whatever he did, playing on a sprained ankle and winning the finals MVP. But he, he was a pretty inefficient player if you look at the numbers. A lot of turnovers, uh, low field goal percentage, didn't shoot threes well, didn't shoot very many of them at all. Well, I mean, I was, so, so I was, was really weird. I, I was drilling into that a little bit. Um, and I think part of it is that we're talking relative numbers here, like in terms of like if he was playing right now in the NBA, he would be really awesome. But we're, talk, we're, we're talking like compared to all time greats. Yep. And so when we say low field goal percentage, he shot, you know, like he shot anywhere from like forty five percent from the field to forty three percent, forty two percent later in his career. But he didn't shoot any threes, and, and or he shot he didn't shoot well from threes. So that's a huge yeah. minus compared to someone like Chauncey Billups, who actually has much more favorable efficiency ratings. Yeah, and and if we're saying like there 
there are 10 other point guards who are better. I mean, let's talk about who's on that list, how good you have to be to be better than Isaiah. Yeah. Magic Johnson uh, is not even close. Even close, he's the best point guard by this list. Oscar Robertson, you know, Bob Cousy, Chris Paul, John Stockton, Gary Payton, Walt Frazier, the great Nick, uh, Steve Nash, two-time league MVP. Uh, Steph Curry has already jumped up on that list. Essentially, on the strength of the of just these last couple of seasons being unbelievable, winning MVPs, winning a title, but not notably not this year, he would be even higher. Um, and then Jason Kidd is is more or less tied. He's you know shows up as above Isaiah, but I mean it's it's so it's close enough that I'm not going to say the spreadsheet proves anything. Um, so you know that th- that's where Isaiah ranks is, is he's he's up there with all these guys. He's he's better than a lot of these other players in terms of his championship accomplishments. You know, getting two rings, being a starter on two championship teams, and winning a Finals MVP—that's no, that's nothing to sniff at. It's just, you know, it's 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 all his championship accomplishments are worth uh, a little more than winning a league MVP. So that, that's pretty damn good. And it also struck me looking back through his seasons today uh, that earlier in his season he was more impressive, like as an individual, just like numbers guy. Like he he came out of the gate. Making the All Star team as a rookie, which like most of the way that almost never happens. I mean, the last five people to do so, uh, going back was like Blake Griffin, Yao Ming, Tim Duncan, Grant Hill, and Shaq. So you have to go back pretty far to find people who are talented enough to make an All Star team as a rookie. Granted, the league was smaller then, so it's a little bit easier to do so. Uh, and in, in his 1984 season, that was probably one of the seasons where he was top ten in win shares. Uh, he had uh, 14 assists a game and 21 points per game, uh, 115. Offensive rating twenty and using twenty four percent of possessions, and so that was just like a legitimately awesome season. And that was as we were building to a championship caliber team, but we weren't we weren't there yet. Uh, we uh, traded Jack McCloskey, had to make a few more moves, and uh, we had to get some young blood in, in there like uh, Dennis Rodman and uh, guys like that. So it's uh, it's interesting that that our actual success as a championship team, you know, it really happened after the. The statistical peak of Isaiah's career, but of course, he, you know, I guess he saved it for the playoffs because he, he had some real heroic playoff performances and uh, was really respected around the league. So he's really a great case of how we should really be cautious about thinking we know everything by looking at numbers because just everybody knows Isaiah is awesome and it shows up everywhere except for the efficiency stats. Yeah, and uh, one thing that just before we move on to number three of on this list. Um, uh, screw Adrian Daly. Number two, yeah. number two, number three of the people we're going to consider. <laughs> yeah. Um, how much do you think the fact that he got snubbed from the Dream Team affects his legacy in terms of just like, I, I can still picture, I literally had a Dream Team poster on, on the wall, and I can picture Chris Mullen and, and you know, yeah. all, all these other people who were on the team, Christian Leitner and stuff. And like, well, why isn't Isaiah Thomas there? And it's famously because Michael Jordan just didn't like him at, you know, fam- after. After that bitter rivalry in the East, when the Bulls finally got past us, and Isaiah Thomas ducked under him and wouldn't shake his hand leaving the court, uh, I I think that it's pretty well corroborated now that it really was Michael Jordan just didn't want him on the team, and he's the best of all time, and he could do so. So if he, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it matters that much? I mean, it doesn't matter to me that much. I, I think um, you know we're, we're talking about him being somewhere near the fiftieth best player of all time. Um, I mean, that that's that's not a must-include guy. I think, what, what was it, the guy, did, was 
was Clyde Drexler on there on the Dream Team? Yeah. So I think I think I remember hearing that Clyde Drexler was the guy who made it because of him. He's you know Isaiah has thirty four points on my dumb spreadsheet and Drexler has thirty one. So you know they're really similar caliber players, but I mean. Is everyone really remembering Clyde Drexler as one of the greats <laughs> in a way that they're not remembering Isaiah? That's um, true. That's true. So, so I, I think um, I think it probably is um, in marketing and you know how famous he's he's going to be a hundred years from now. You know, just being on that dream team was was, was big. But you know, in terms of how I think of him as a great Piston, uh, absolutely not. Um, I'll also just mention um, how amazing is it for the Pistons that we've had. We're actually one of the, I would say, second-tier all-time championship franchises. We're not the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bulls, but, you know, we're up there with the Rockets as being teams that have won multiple championships, and we've done it in in a a couple of different runs. We had the the back-to-back with the Bad Boys, and we had the, you know, the the Chauncey Boseman-Wallace era where we won one and came within a hair's width of winning two. Um... And we we didn't have a guy who we arguably didn't have a top fifty uh, all time player. I mean, people can argue that it, it, probably uh, at least half the listeners can name one or two guys who they think is top fifty all time. Like that, that's fine. I'm not going to argue that. But just like we didn't have a top ten, top twenty all time player, and uh, you know, so th- we we've got our 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 thing that we love is just a well assembled team where the parts fit together. Uh, I, I just, I really appreciate that when I look at this. Yeah, it's really great. And speaking of someone who, uh, what, what I, I like the way that it fell is that it went from Isaiah Thomas to Chauncey Billups, who's my personal favorite Piston of all time. Uh, he, he came in at number 72 on the list, which I was actually happy to see that, that his, his, his just, I think it's just sheer efficiency. Yep. He's sort of under the radar in terms of perception on stats, but his, so he was so efficient that he got recognized in the spreadsheet to be, and I, I, to me that I agree. I think he's the, the he's my second favorite piston of all time. Uh, I mean, he's the second best, and he's my personal favorite. So he's a five-time All Star. Uh, he was the Finals MVP when we won it in '04. Yep. What was cool about that is that he was this. He was only the second non-All Star to be Finals MVP since Joe Dumars at that point. Oh wow! Yeah. So again, the, the Pistons getting it done without having a transcendent star. Yeah, and then the, and then Andre Iguodala joined that short list uh, a couple of years ago, last season, but um, the season before last. But anyway, so I don't know what else. So Chauncey Billups, uh, well, he, you know, he's a guy who um, probably a lot of people would argue with because he gets um, little under half his points just from this objective deadliness category. Um, you know, he was top ten in PER once, but he was um, if you like offensive win shares, which I do, and not everybody does. You know, he, he was top five in the league three times and top ten outside of the top five three more times. So he, that offensive win shares category, he really was excellent in, uh, in a way that people don't recognize. And how he did it was he had really good field goal, uh, true shooting percentage because he was great at free throws. He didn't shoot a lot of bad shots. He made a high percentage of his threes. And he never turned the ball over. And having low turnovers is one thing he has going for him that Isaiah doesn't. Um, Chauncey Billups would have, you know, was the point guard on a championship caliber team, and he would have like two turnovers a game or, or less a lot of times. And Isaiah was up near four uh, turnovers a game a lot of times. 
So you can argue a lot about how much that matters, but whatever the metrics I like really love Chauncey Phillips because he just, he took care of the ball and he um, only took deadly efficient shots and shot really well from the floor. Um, and then also, yeah, he was, he was a great champion. He was second team all NBA on defense one time as well. So d- during our big run of being, having dominant defensive teams. So he, and he was really well-rounded. He, you know, he, he had some of those league honors too. He was second team All NBA once, third team All NBA twice. So, um, you know, as you would expect for uh, 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 the leader, one of the leaders of a Pistons team that was famous for being great without having a transcendent star, just a well-rounded, really deadly efficient, not flashy, didn't didn't turn the ball over, played good defense, um, and that's how he gets up there in, into a you know as a top hundred all time player. And you know it's interesting to see where he is on the on the all time point guard list. He's just a couple slots below Isaiah. He's clearly below him, but um, he is just he's a tier below where the kind of Isaiah Jason Kidd uh, tiny Archibald is. But he's above um, some of the some other famous point guards. Your Dennis Johnson of the Celtics, um, Paul Westfall was part of the um, um, Phoenix Suns teams that could never quite break through. Kevin Johnson. Tony Parker, Tim Hardaway, Penny Hardaway, Mark Price. And uh, unfortunately, Derek Rose is stuck uh, on a, a couple of tiers below Chauncey Billups, uh, despite his transcendent uh, MVP season. And it looks like he's never going to get back to that top tier. So um, that just to put Chauncey into historical perspective, he's, he's uh, I don't know if he's one of the greats, but he's one of the goods, one of the really goods. Yeah, and one of the great Pistons, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, and, and as we're going through this, I, I realize that we're we, we kind of blew it on the suspense front because we, we went from best to worst. We, sh- we should have gone we should have gone from ten top ten going down and ah whatever this we, is fun. Left people in suspense, and I had to have a commercial break and stuff before we got to the best of all time. But yeah, I, I, I guess <laughs> yeah. Well, when Ryan Seacrest didn't return our calls, I guess the, you know having the suspenseful, well-produced thing went out the window anyway. So yeah. <laughs> So the next best player on the list, which also I think passes the, the eye test for me, is another uh, Chauncey Billup era piston, Ben Wallace. Now, this is getting to a point where I, th- I think when you look at Ben Wallace versus um, some of the other bad boys, some of the other best bad boys, like Rodman or Joe Dumars, that's the one thing where as a, at a gut level I would kind of quibble. Like, and they're all pretty close um, on this list. Um, maybe maybe it's worth just kind of like reviewing the block of next players, and then we can go back. The, the next players are Ben Wallace at seventy six, Grant Hill at seventy nine, Bob Lanier at eighty three, Dennis Rodman at ninety, Joe Dumars at ninety. Yeah, so so these these guys are all really similar um, uh, on how they come out here. Re- they're really kind of within the margin of error. You, um, one one season where you're like a top ten per and an all star. Would would make the difference between between all these. So um, uh, I, I'm not going to you know lay down my life to defend uh, the, the rankings of the this tier of players in between there. They're just all in that tier that Chauncey Billups is at, is at the top of. In fact, Ben Wallace is almost tied with Chauncey, and and not surprisingly, he gets it done. Um, he actually has a negative score for the objective deadliness, which is appropriate because he was a a famously terrible offensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I should, you know, that's a limitation. I should probably be able to take off more. 
uh, for, for him being bad. But, hey, we don't penalize Adrian Dantley for being a bad defender, right? So, um, But he's a, one of the best um, all-time defenders, uh, four-time defensive player of the year, and he had a lot of league honors too. Um, you know, we're, we're talking three times being second team All NBA, and you know that that's that's really great. You know that that's up there. He has a better um, All NBA record than Pau Gasol does, and he you know so and who's another player who's in this tier that he is. Um, and then of course his championship experience, winning a ring, being a starter on a championship team. Um, he was a hair's width away from being the best player by the metric I used on the championship team that year. He and Chauncey were both really similar. So um, Ben Wallace, um, arguably uh, just as good as Chauncey. Chauncey ran the offense. Ben ran the defense. And uh, it was, yeah, uh, in terms one of, of the great Pistons. And in terms of that 2003 to 2007 era Pistons, that definitely passes my sense of, like, who the two most important members of that team were. Uh, you know, Rip Hamilton was our best scorer and a multi-time all-star as well, but he's definitely, you know, lower down and it makes sense to me. And, and Rasheed Wallace as well, are kind of in the next tier among that team. And in terms of all-time great centers, um, you know, he, I've got Ben Wallace just up at the 19th best center of all time. You know, you could go plus or minus a few spots again, because this is not an exact science, but you know, he's, he's below the kind of Patrick Ewing, Dwight Howard, um, kind of tier he's he's right right around there just above being you know Pau Gasol, Dikembe Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, Robert Parrish, uh, Bill Walton uh, type of era, Yao Ming. So um, you know Ben Wallace is a, a, no, a notable all-time center and he got it done on the defensive end. Um, he accomplished what he did despite you know playing on offense like he didn't have any thumbs you know. Uh, it was uh, really amazing what he did. Yeah, and so now we turn to Grant Hill, who's the first Piston. Who it's hard to it's, it's sort of sad to to think of him being stuck on the on the teal jersey day of Pistons. Just an amazing player on a really bad team. And I wonder, just if we can cross reference really quick, uh, he obviously got killed on the on the championship front in terms of like that contribution to your best, like he's not going to yep. get anything there. Uh, but how, how good is he on the league honors and objective deadliness? I can't remember like whether his career, how short his career got, um, uh, got cut. Well, he, he does most of his work on the league honors. He, he had a little bit of the objective deadliness similar to, uh, you know, Pau Gasol or, um, not as good as Russell Westbrook say so far in his career on that. He was, um, you know, he was top five in PER twice and top 10 four times. So he was among the really good players in the league. Um, but he was first team all NBA once and, uh, second team all NBA four times. And I think most of that peak, I actually didn't look up how much of that peak happened with the Pistons, but I think he, his first team all NBA season was with the Pistons before he hurt his ankle. He, you know, he hurt his ankle, um, playing while hurt during a, uh, a playoff run. I believe this was in the Doug Collins uh, coached Pistons era. And then he left us in free agency to for, try to form one of the first super teams uh, with free agents in Orlando where they got Grant Hill and Tracy McGrady. And uh, both Tracy McGrady and Grant Hill uh, uh, had some injury problems. But Tracy McGrady came back and had some amazing seasons for Orlando, led the league in scoring. 
Whereas uh, Grant Hill, he had, I think, a, several seasons that were marred by ankle surgeries and ankle pain and rehab and could never quite get it right. And then just had a long career as a journeyman and made a couple, of, maybe made a couple of all-star teams. But uh, Grant Hill's a seven-time all-star. He's in that Adrian Dantley category, except Dantley did his damage in the league before joining the Pistons. Grant Hill did most of his damage that he did in the league while with the Pistons and then and then left right as he was, you know, just at, at the apex of his peak. But the tail end of his peak happened um, in Orlando and, you know, in the doctor's office, unfortunately. Um, I, I think that I give him credit as being a great Piston. Um, he was great while he was with the Pistons. Uh, he's well thought of. Um, you know, we, we still like him. Yeah, and as, as Pistons fans, we can remember him as salvaging, making the Pistons somewhat watchable during some of those years. Uh, when we were really not doing so hot, right? It was just it was great to have a decent player um, to play with as the Pistons in a video game on, you know, like that <laughs> is that that kind of time. You know, I think we were I was in middle school or something at the time, and that, that was something that was important to me. Yeah, definitely. I remember seeing him once in person too. It must have been one of the few Pistons games I went to back during those games. Um, so Bob Lanier is the next guy, and he's a played in the seventies. Really good player, but I honestly don't have a whole lot to say about him. Maybe it's worth just. Uh, I mean, so he's he's a, a, a famous, really good center. Um, you know, he he did most of his damage in the objective deadliness category, meaning you know he he was top five in the league in PER seven times, and you know you, there are a lot of guys ranked above him all time that didn't accomplish that. The you, you have to if you go up a bunch of ranks and you find another guy who's uh, top five seven times. You got to go all the way up to Elgin Baylor, who's a top you know near near top twenty five. So he just had uh, some things he did well. He was really a good scorer and rebounder. He was top five in offensive win shares once. Uh, I think he's also famous for having like gigantic shoes. I think he he might have had like you know a world record or something for having like size twenty five feet or something like that. Um, but. He was definitely before my time. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing him play. Yeah, just looking at like looking at his Wikipedia page, like first round pick of the first pick of the draft, uh, eight time All Star, just you know badass. It also says that was during the era when Lanier would smoke cigarettes during halftime breaks. <laughs> so <laughs> I think they wow. didn't have the same uh, focus on health Fitness back then. Fitness regimen, but but just to put it in perspective, where he is, he's a top hundred player. He's about as good as Dikembe Mutombo, Pau Gasol, James Harden if his career ended today. Um, and, you know, he, he racked up a similar, you know, basically tied with uh, the next guys on the list, basically tied with Grant Hill. Um, just just a, one of the really goods, again, um, probably the one of the most famous big men of all time uh, to play for the Pistons. Uh, before Ben Wallace came along, he was the best center on the Pistons uh, of all time, I would say. Yeah, so shout out to Bob Lanier. And, you know, the the one old school Piston that I do remember is Dave Bing, and we'll get to him later. But uh, I had, it was nice to just, history lesson Pistons fans, Bob Lanier was kicked ass in the 70s, even though he was smoking cigarettes at halftime. <laughs> um, next on the list is Dennis Rodman, and he's someone who just. De- Dennis Rodman and Joe Dumars are tied. Yeah, they're right? tied. Um but let's talk about Dennis Rodman first. He's another one of those guys like Ben Wallace where he has a negative score for objective deadliness, just a real bad offensive player, except like Ben Wallace, 
a legendary offensive rebounder, and you, that you know that helps your offense keep get going. Um, but uh, but of course, where he did his damage was on the defensive end. He had, he he's one of the greatest, um, most accomplished defenders of all time. He had, um, in addition to being second, uh, third team All NBA twice and a, a two time All Star, um, he was a seven time first team All Defense guy and two time Defensive Player of the Year. So, ben, whereas, um, you know, Ben, ben Wallace, uh, you know, was similar four-time defensive player of the year. And, uh, and then, unlike Ben Wallace, Dennis Rodman uh, w- went around the league and just joined championship teams. He had five rings, uh, including his two with the Pistons, but he won, I, I, he won rings with the Bulls and possibly the Spurs, too, I think. And he was a starter on five championship teams. Uh, and he, you know, so he gets a lot of credit for that as well. He he has a a similar championship pedigree to uh, what Joe Dumars accomplished, um, where Dumars did it in a couple of seasons, being one of the best players on a team. Rodman was just around, you know, making a solid contribution on five championship teams. So that um, you, people will remember his like rainbow hairstyles on the when he was on the Spurs, uh, and him, um, you know, Michael Jordan yelling at him on the sideline while he was on the. Yeah, I mean him being with Carmen Electra and being sort of just famous for being yeah. weird and, and uh, eccentric, but uh, but it all started on the Pistons. He was yeah. the Sixth Man of the Year uh, when I was a little kid. He was my favorite player just because he played with such enthusiasm and he, you know, he looked, he had big ears that stuck out and he run on the fast break and dunking and pumping his fist and being excited. So, um, and if you go back and watch that thirty for thirty on the Bad Boys. He really strikes me as one of the best stories personally as just someone who had so little and I mean a lot of players obviously come from from not much but he really like he was a late bloomer athlete he was not like a you know a college or high school stud and but he just was like and he was you know not like huge or anything but so much effort I think he he really is in the the spirit of the I mean it's kind of funny that the Pistons had this this profile Maybe it's just random, and we've put a narrative to it. But the fact that both him and Ben Wallace are are on the same kind of team in history of champions, it's like the same kind of person. Like does everything that all the dirty work, and and you go back and watch some of those the diving plays and just just the effort he put in. It was just so it's just striking. I know it, it's it's really part of our DNA as a, as a team. Um, you know. Uh, the Lakers always people always talk about like a, a big a big star a big scorer would would love to go to L.A. because of their pedigree with that and you know I think that that type of thing you know here I am I like to live my life with spreadsheets but I think that type of thing matters I think there's certain players like I was hopeful we we got a meeting with Al Horford this this offseason we didn't get him he signed with the Celtics but like that type of thing I think is part of why we got a meeting with him um, now. You know, the point of the league is not to get meetings with uh, barely first-tier free agents to win championships. But um, that's just – it's part of one of the great things about being a Pistons fan is uh, appreciating those types of guys. Um, so, you know, Dennis Rodman, one of the really good players of all time and uh, a really great Piston. Definitely. And then Joe Dumar is tied. I mean, he's obviously – not only was he – he was, you know, finals MVP on our bad boys Piston. Just yep. great – uh, even-headed, solid, awesome player, 
And then he also has his run. I mean, this doesn't count in the spreadsheet, but he was the GM of the Pistons during our second championship run. Right. And the very, our very first episode of the Bros and Pistons podcast is a Joe Dumars retrospective because that was about right after he got fired. And uh, we were we were some of the only people to be defending Joe Dumars around the league. I, Bill Simmons likes to jokingly post that. There's some photo someone took of Joe Dumars having two phones, to one to each ear at once during free agency. He was probably on hold ordering pizza or something during that time, you know, but but uh, people like to make fun of that picture. But um, but back to his playing days, you know, he had kind of a unique profile. He he didn't do much on objective deadliness. He was top 10 in win shares only once, but he was really respected around the league. Second team All-NBA once, third team All-NBA two more times, uh, six-time All-Star. So he was just one of those guys who would not be a top 10 offensive player, but would still make an all-star team. And he was pretty good on offense. He, I, I remember him scoring 15 to 19 points per game. Um, you know, uh, you imagine George Blaha talking about the, the rainbow three from Joe Dumars. He was a good outside shooter in an era where teams didn't use that very much. I think during today's era, you talk about a three and D guy that, that, that people, everyone values. Now, how valuable would Joe Dumars be now? The, one of the only guys who could slow down Michael Jordan on offense. Um, and then, you know, smart passer, good outside shooter. Um, and he, he got it done on the defensive end, too, four times first team all defensive. And then, uh, of course, he was the right-hand man uh, on, on the, to, uh, to Isaiah Thomas on those championship teams. In one year, he won the finals MVP. Um, he's got... And, and led the league, or led our team and win shares during during that championship run. So he got it done when it counted. He got it done on both ends of the floor. Um, the, one of the first three and D legends in the league. Um, he's he's probably if people are t- mentioned Joe Dumars a hundred years from now, it'll be as a foil uh, to Michael Jordan's rise. You know, when Michael Jordan was becoming Michael Jordan, um, it's sort of like. Um, you know, he's in the Iliad, and he's just one of the guys that gets killed by by Achilles, you know, or something like <laughs> that. But, you know, hey, I'll take it. Uh, so, you know, Joe Dumars is in the top 100. He's one of the great Pistons. Uh, he's in this next tier where he's below the the Isaiah Thomases and Chauncey Billups and Ben Wallace a little bit. But, I mean, he's he, he's a great player. Um, really, uh, yeah, one of the guys who, again, we built our character around where he was not a – uh, a flashy player who's soft-spoken, um, but he got it done. Oh, and just talking about where he is on shooting guards, he's a he's a, I have him at sixteen. Uh, the sixteenth, you could put him fourteenth to seventeenth, and in, in shooting guards of all time, little below the Tracy McGrady, Clyde Drexler, Sidney Moncrief uh, tier in there, but he is similar to um, Ray Allen's career, very similar uh, numbers to what Ray Allen accomplished. If James Harden uh, just decided to retire this offseason, uh, that's one of those weird comparisons where Harden's peak is clearly higher, but he didn't. We didn't have his whole career. Um, better than um, names that people my age will will remember: uh, Mitch Richmond, uh, Vince Carter, who might still be in the league, but as a second career as a journeyman. Better than Pete Maravich. Better than Manu Ginobili. So, um, yeah. Uh, you, he, he gets his name etched in stone on the Pistons Mount Rushmore for sure. And I think we need to do a quick pass at the end of this episode to rearrange a little bit because this is someone where, as we're talking, I, I think about it. And, and to, in my in my list, I'd put him above Grant Hill in terms of being a best Piston of all time. Like in, in the Piston fandom, 
Yeah. Well, you get into that. What do they do while they're on the roster? Whether they, you know, Joe Dumars was a lifetime piston, and Grant Hill it was a turncoat who left right after the peak of his peak. So, um, in terms of Grant Hill, accomplished a little bit more in his career, but uh, yeah, I think Dumars is a greater piston. All right. So next on the list is uh, former Mayor Dave Bing. Yeah, the mayor. Uh, Dave Bing's just a little below the Joe Dumars tier. He's out, a little outside of the top 100 of all time. He's, you know, he's he's similar to Paul Pierce, Carmelo Anthony, Robert Parrish, Chris Bosh, Vince Carter, um, in terms of all-time accomplishments. Chris Bosh, if his career ended today, which unfortunately it might, um, with his health problems. He, he was another guy who... Um, he was a great scorer. He, he has no recognized defense category points and no championships. Um, he just wasn't on a, wasn't on a great team. I don't know what his reputation was as a defender. This is a real limitation. You know, someone who's, you know, I was not really around to watch him, but one, one thing he, he could put the ball in the hole. He was a good scorer. Um, yeah. I mean, he averaged 27 points several seasons as a point guard and shooting guard. So that's pretty right. He was top five in win shares once, top five in PER twice. So, you know, he he was really a notable guy in the league. Again, you know, similar to that Paul Pierce, you know, Tony Parker uh, kind of category. Probably not a, not quite as good a scorer as Carmelo, but, um, you know, he was a seven-time All-Star, you know. And uh, where he really gets most of his points is he was twice, he was first-team All-NBA. And that's something that, that uh, Carmelo – and Paul Pierce have accomplished zero times combined. Um, now that might be just be the competition of the era, um, but I, I think you know we really got to give it to him. He was a he could put the ball in the hole and um, uh, successful businessman after his playing career, uh, mayor of Detroit during some hard times. So uh, you know, hats off to Dave Bing as a as a great piston. Yeah, he's a true piston. Um, well, let's quickly skip over the next guy who showed up, who, who wasn't really much of a piston in terms of his career, Dave Dubusher. Dave Dubusher. Dave Dubusher. Just the one thing that I, when I was quickly Googling him, I'd be like, who the hell is this guy? Um, he was a player coach for the Pistons at 24 in 1964, and he was a territorial pick for us. So it just kind of gives you a couple of little flavor for like how different the league was back then. Yeah, we had, we had guys smoking during halftime. We had player coaches because <laughs> yeah. we couldn't afford coaches. I think he's most famous for playing for the Knicks. Yeah, he was part of the champion Knicks in the set in 1970 with uh, Willis Reed and stuff like that. So we can we can just move along. Yeah. So not one of the one of the famous all time players, but uh, not a great piston. So Mark Aguirre is next, and uh, he's right around just above Bill Lambier. And I would just kind of comparing those two, I would definitely put Bill Ambeer above him in terms of like who I think of as an all-time Pistons. Mark McGuire came in as sort of like a hot shot, really promising player. He was a number one pick in the draft at one point. Yep. And he was a three-time All-Star. I think none of those happened while he was on the Pistons. I think he was. We, we traded Adrian Bantley for him. Yeah. We, we traded one hot shot scorer for another hot shot scorer, and he, you know, he was a useful role player for us, but. Um, I would say um, since he had his best scoring days for the Dallas Mavericks, um, let's let's just uh, note that we were glad he contributed to the Bad Boys teams, but he's not one of the great all-time uh, Pistons, I think. One way he is linked back to the Pistons is that he was picked uh, right ahead of uh, Isaiah Thomas. Oh, my God. In that draft. 
I did not know that. Yeah, so in the 1981 draft, uh, he was first overall. And so that kind of goes to like, how, how, how different could history have been if like, somehow he had been our, uh, our pick that year. Yeah, I mean, you know, it w- wouldn't exactly have been a Darko situation. Again, he's a three-time All-Star, but yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I think we'll take, we'll, I think we'll take Isaiah. Yeah. So yeah, let's get let's get to the the actual great person here, Bill Embiid. Now, Bill Embiid is on a tier of of players where there's a lot of guys, like thirty guys, who are all really similar. You know, w- well within the margin of error of my my dumb scoring system here, but you know, we we get we got him just uh, I believe like. Uh, 170-something, best player of all time. Okay, so what did he do? Why is he on this list? Mo- just a little under half his all-time points are just his contributions as a, as a champion. Uh, he's got two rings, obviously, being a bad boy. He was a starter on both those teams. That's, that's really worth something. Um, there, aren't a lot, there aren't a ton of guys in the league who were starters on championship teams. And he's putting up numbers like 17 points and 13 rebounds a game during his best seasons. Like, you know, he was right. a really productive guy. I believe he led the league in rebounding once. He was a four-time All-Star, but not, never on the All-NBA team. So he, you know, he, he's a guy similar to, like, famous guys like Earl Monroe, um, Sean Marion, Rajon Rondo. You know, got guys who were All-Stars a few years, really valuable players uh, a few years. And... um you know, he's similar all time to like Tyson Chandler and uh, Stefan Marbury. Tom Chambers is a guy who was uh, a good scorer uh, in the early '90s. Uh, uh, Kevin Love's dad, or, or I'm sorry, yeah, Kevin Love's dad, Bob Love, uh, has a similar all time score. He's an <laughs> NBA player bro- who was the brother of one of the Beach Boys. Uh, some guy whose last name is also love. Uh, um, so, um, but so so that, that's that's um, Bill Lambeer by the numbers. He he led the league in rebounding. He made some All Star teams, so he makes it onto this list. You know, better than similar to Latrell Sprewell and Joe Johnson and Paul George. But let's face it, why why is he a great Piston? It's because he was really the the heart and soul of the character of the Bad Boys. Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars were the talent. And, and uh, Lambeer got rebounds and then made everybody so angry that they wanted to get in fights and punch people out. And, yeah, uh, where, and where's the, the floor. you have a column in your spreadsheet for having Super Nintendo video games made about you? <laughs> right. The combat basketball? I yeah. Mean, that's, like, that's one of the coolest things about a piston. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, Bob Love and uh, the work, uh, who are some other guys around here? Tom Gola, Buck Williams. Uh, Jamal Wilkes. These are, you know, guys where I've dimly heard their names before. Um, but Lambeer is on, on the list. He was also one of the first stretch fives in the league. People weren't shooting a lot of threes when he was in the league, but he was a pick-and-pop threat. And uh, that was one of the interesting ways that we played. He was a center uh, who rebounded and could hit outside shots but could not post up. So we had to have a little bit of a different offense than most teams were going for at that time. Most teams really coveted that Moses Malone, uh, Kareem type of player where you throw it down to the post and let them go to work. Um, so again, he was he was uh, just part of a machine that played great defense and got enough, got it done just enough on the offensive end to win a couple of championships. And if you look at, I mean, one of my favorite advanced metrics is offensive rating, which tends to 
It just I like it because you can calculate it with off the chart, yeah, box score stuff. But we've talked about this before. If if you're over one ten, it usually means you're a very efficient offensive player. And if you match it with actually using the, using enough possessions, that's kind of all star level. He's a career one fifteen offensive rating. Yep. So you know, just he was his usage rate was more around like fifteen percent or something. But right. he's not going to like every time he used an offensive possession, it was a good use. Of so so that's the profile of of just a really great offensive role player. Yeah. And again, so he he created that space, and he you know I I just I can ha- I can see it now. Joe Dumars uh, going off a Lambier pick and then throwing it behind his back to Lambier for the long two, where he he just he stepped forward and shot it, didn't even leave the ground. While he was shooting it, you know, and and he was a great uh, great free throw shooter for a big man too. Which um, we're we've passed the Lambeer and Ben Walter, and now we're in the Andre Drummond era. We can really appreciate uh, Lambeer's uh, stuff there. He's also, uh, I believe, he was the the coach of the Detroit Shock when they won some WNBA titles, uh, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, but can't break into the NBA coaching head coaching ranks. Um, Rumor has it because uh, he's a jerk and people don't like him. So, well, I re- speaking of like him, go just, Bill Lambert. and him being a jerk and him being partisan, he had a brief stint where he made it onto national. Uh, he was an ESPN commentator, kind of like Chauncey Billups is now. And I remember like this was like before Chauncey Billups was an all star, and they were going. I was like the Rick Carlisle days, and there were fifty wins, and they were going around saying like, "Who do you think the best uh, point guard in the league is?" And he, he said Chauncey Billups. And they looked at him like Bill, like what, like kind of like, like what the fuck? You're a, you're a national commentator, and he just kept on like saying no, it's Chauncey Billups. And like I was like, and I was just like pumping my fist. Uh, so he, he's a he's a true blue piston. Yeah, he, actually, he he did have a stint as the color guy on uh, on Pistons broadcast too, and he was just like a, a really awesome homer. It was really <laughs> fun. Um, so Bill Lambier, great piston. Next on the list is Rashid Wallace. And it's interesting that he he he's just ahead of uh, Rip Hamilton on on the list, and he's another guy who did most of his real accomplishments in the league, um, in in the league honors category before getting on the Pistons. Four time All Star, you know, not no on NBA teams of any kind, and he's another he's another good illustration. He's a guy who everyone knows he's a great defender. He was part of the defense firm of Wallace and Wallace on our championship team. Zero uh, all NBA defensive appearances, and you know, so that's something people talk about the all in, all defensive NBA team not being a good measure. That you know, Kobe Bryant was on it a bunch of times, and people uh, say that he was not actually playing good defense because he wasn't trying very hard. So, you know, it really limited what we can tell about defense from outside the league, not being scouts and coaches. But he was a starter on a championship team, and he made a few All Star teams. Uh, I would say um, he's one of those guys where we probably, like Adrian Dantley or Grant Hill, take him off the all-time great Pistons list. But I don't know. I like him. The defense from Wallace and Wallace. I, I, I would just lower his rank a little bit. And, uh, uh, you know, he, well, he's like, one of the great character guys, too. He he was the, the Chauncey Bill and Wallace era's version of Bill Lambeer. And uh, just getting under the other team's skin. Yeah, ball don't lie. Getting technicals. I mean, in terms of my Piston identity... Every time I go to a live Pistons game, I have a, a pair of Detroit, uh, Rashid Wallace Air Force Ones that are all red. Uh, I have no business wearing them, but um, I do with pride. And it just kind of like 
I think as Pistons fans, we really... I mean, you can wear those. You don't have to put your hair in corner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the... so And I think he's kind of like the opposite of Mark McGuire in terms of, like, he came on just in time for a championship team. But unlike him, he was a key piece. Like, if we, if we, if we didn't have him, we weren't winning championships. Yeah, McGuire was, was, like, a, a, a guy who could get a few buckets and then what, wasn't that great on defense, whereas Wallace had a really good role on both ends. Defense from Wallace and Wallace on one end. And on the other end, he didn't have a high usage rate, but he was like Glenn Beer. He unlocked a lot for our offense. You could, you could uh, stand near the three-point line and draw his man away from the basket. Now, people really criticized him a lot for not posting up. and People get mad when someone's really talented and doesn't make the most of it. So he could score in the post when he was willing to work for position and all that. But whatever. His role on our offense was to was to space the floor, hit open threes, um, get some rebounds, and um, he really opened up a lot of space for Chauncey Billups and Hamilton. It's just, it's just crazy that he was never on an all-defensive team because there was that season where we had a streak where, like, like 20 games where no one scored over 70 points. Right. Can you imagine that happening now? And it was no. absolutely the defensive from the walls and walls that made that happen. Right. And, and the on Prince Teradakote as well, but... Uh, the long arm of the lock. And Chauncey Phillips was good, too. It was a team effort, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, Rasheed was awesome. It, he He's a guy who, he didn't he, he didn't put up defensive numbers. He didn't block shots. He didn't get a, like Ben Wallace, he didn't get a ton of rebounds like Rodman did. And he didn't have, you know, um, really famous defensive plays taking charges and stuff. But he just was standing in the right place, being really tall with really long arms. Yeah, and although so one play that just flashed in the memory was uh, that I think we have to acknowledge is that when we talk about Richard Wallace is the the game seven in our second run at the championship with the Spurs. Think of how close we were. Game seven against the Spurs when um, no, this wasn't game. Was it game seven where um, Robert, made, Ory. Robert Ory was that game seven when he made that three when he was left open by Richard Wallace um, on a brain fight? It might have been game six and that, or, but it was it was like one of those like we had it. Mental mis- it was a mental mistake, and, and for some reason those are harder to get over. It, it's not really fair because, you know, they're, they're playing, you know, hard every minute. But it just that was one of those things where I think as a Piston fan, you remember Rasheed Wallace yep. blew it there, and, and you wonder what, whether, what, what if, if we could have had back, another back-to-back championship. Yep. And then probably the last guy on our list here is, is uh, Rip Hamilton. Yeah. He, you know, he's a a top 250 player of all time. So, you know, we're, we're really getting to where you're barely on the list here. But he's on there. He was part of our championship heritage. Three-time All-Star, which which not a lot of guys have done. There aren't, like, 100 guys that have done that. You know, in terms of all-time, his place on all-time shooting guards, he's, um, you know, better than where DeMar DeRozan is right now, better than uh, – similar to what Jimmy Butler has done, similar to what Clay Thompson has done right now. We're talking about Steve Smith, the big, the great Spartan. Um, so Jeff Hornacek, who who was uh, on some of the great Utah Jazz teams and Phoenix Suns teams, and now the coach of the Knicks, better than Danny Ainge, I will say, which is uh, great because Danny Ainge is uh, irritating real quick uh, when, when he, during his playing days for the for the Celtics. So um, you know he's a guy who's he was part of the the machine that just. Won lots of playoff games, lots went to the Eastern Conference Finals six times, 
won a title. He was really, really important to our offense. It was a, a defense-driven team, but, I mean, he was he was the only guy who was a real yeah, that's offensive what, talent. That's what I was about to say is that, as Pistons fans, I went back and looked at like our playoff run uh, when we won the championship in 2004, and that, like the Eastern Conference Finals, some of those scores were brutal. Like we won that lap, that game six, for, like seventy four to sixty five or something like that. And we need like that's one of those games where like every point mattered so much. And Rip Hamilton would give us twenty points a game. He was the one guy who was actually like, the thing is he was an offensive star on our team on a very defensive minded team, like you just said. So that's why I think he ends up falling so far down the list. But I, I think in the in the mentality of Pistons fans, he's a little bit higher. Uh, like I, I mean. I don't know. Like he, he seems. Like, I think there's a reason why he's, he's going to be the third piston from that Chauncey Phillips era that had his jersey retired uh, ahead of Rasheed Wallace. Um, so, you know, I, I would say I, I wouldn't be surprised if some casual Pistons fans thought he was more important than Chauncey Phillips. I, I think any like real NBA fan would not do that. But like right. he scored more. He, yeah. he, I think he led us in scoring. But Bill, you know, Phillips. Didn't use that many possessions and scored a fair amount and got a lot of assists and didn't turn the ball over and was a good defender. Rip Hamilton, I mean, he was one of the only guys who was willing to put up shots in volume, and, and that's where you get to where efficiency is from efficiency. You need, a, you need somebody to run off a pick. Like, you have to have something you're trying to accomplish on offense. Yeah. Throwing it to Ben Wallace on the post was not what we were trying to accomplish. Throwing it to Rasheed Wallace is what we should have been trying to do, but Rasheed didn't want to. Chauncey Billups took the shots he could take and made all of them. Um, Tayshawn Prince, you know, I guess you can uh, use 20 seconds of shot clock with him backing a guy down in the post if you need to. But we, you know, Rip Hamilton really um, have it go from from bad to decent on offense, which allowed us to have the success we did with our defensive juggernaut. Yeah, and uh, so Rip Hamilton, I think, belongs on this list as a great piston. And maybe, I mean, Tayshawn Prince is the last guy just outside the top 250. He's sort of on the bubble. And, you know, the Palace Prince. Uh, but I, to me, he, he, he's getting more into the famous role players. Like, there's a lot of famous Pistons that, like, Vinny Johnson, the microwave, Rick Mahorn, James Edwards, yeah. John, even John Barry. I mean, like, we're kind of getting into, into more, like, fan favorites. I'm not sure if he's really recognized anywhere near, like, a real NBA great. Yeah, now, yeah, Tayshaun's on, you know, he's on the spreadsheet because he made an all-star team. Uh, and that's about it. I mean, so he had some great defensive moments. He, he um, Yeah, that block. Is the like, block. Right. Right. So he, he's an all, he's a, a great, well-remembered Piston because of that. Um, Which was like game, I think, three of the Eastern Conference Finals in 2004. Against the Pacers. And, and you know, we, we might not have won that series if he hadn't done that because we, yeah. were, we were down 1-0 and, and you know, this, the series turned on that block. I think that's probably the most famous defensive play in a playoff series. And unfortunately, I think LeBron James just eclipsed that. Because he had just as an amazing block in, the, LeBron James, in, in the NBA final. Yeah, he has, he has it all, and he has to take away the, the Pistons' greatest defensive yeah. play. Yeah, and, by the way, he, he's the one who killed the, the Chauncey Bills, Ben Wallace era Pistons team. Like, right? I mean. Well, I mean, we lost to the Heat, the Dwayne Wade Heat. Oh, like, that's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, and then, and then after that, it was just like we, we couldn't get past LeBron. So again, we're, we're in the history books because we're. we're uh, uh, a, a noted local tough that LeBron James slayed on his way up the ladder, you know. But uh, but hey, you know we we got our ring, and then just notably here, um, Andre Drummond. He he's on the list because he made the All Star team. 
when we when we do our uh, season preview, talking about what to be excited about this year, he features prominently there. He's not he's not uh, very far up the ladder of all time greats yet, but hey, twenty three years old. So yeah, uh, hopefully someday he'll crack this list, and five years from now we'll be placing him somewhere around the Ben Wallace level or something like that. But um, so why don't we close just by doing a quick number, quick filter on the list to make our definitive uh, top five here. Yep. We got, I think we can agree, Isaiah Thomas, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace. I don't know. Do we agree that we, we just put Rodman ahead of Grant Hill? I, I would. Yeah, yeah. Rodman, Joe Dumars. That's I, I put Dumars ahead of Rodman because Rodman did some of his damage winning rings for other teams. That's true. So, yeah. so I would say Dumars, um, Ben Rodman, and Grant Hill rounded out. Okay, so we got the the official Brosane top Pistons of all time is number one Isaiah Thomas, number two Chauncey Phillips, number three Ben Wallace, number four Joe Dumars, number five Dennis Rodman. Yep. And uh, and then you know uh, uh, what's that called? No, the noteworthy uh, almost guys who almost won it. What's that? Honorable mention. Thank you. Is uh, is you know, your Dave Bings and Bob Lanier's who were the great. The the best Pistons of all time before the era where we actually started winning titles. Yeah, and before people stopped smoking cigarettes and being player coaches, <laughs> <laughs> and you know taking the Greyhounds between games and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, all right, and maybe just to run out the top ten, we might as well after after Joe Dumars and Dennis Rodman. I guess it'd be Grant Hill, Bill Ambeer, Rasheed Wallace, Rip Hamilton. Uncle Cliffy, or is it no? Uh, <laughs> Uncle Cliffy did. Uh, he he was a, no, a, a love piston, but he, he he did a lot of his damage uh, for the Portland Trailblazers as a younger man. Okay, yeah. So that that's the Pistons top ten. One more time: Isaiah Thomas, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, Joe Dumars, Dennis Rodman, Grant Hill, Bill Ambeer, Rasheed Wallace, Rip Hamilton. And that's just that's just number that's nine. That's somehow unsatisfying. No, we got Dave, we got to get Dave. Bang oh, we'll, and Bob Lanier we'll, we'll put Bob Lanier in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that was fun. We we just blabbed on for an hour and two minutes before edits. Uh, and so, if you're still listening, thank you. And if you if you like us, I encourage you to go on to iTunes and give us a rating. I think there's like three ratings, but that could, that'll that'll get us into like there's like three Pistons podcasts out there and. It always helps to have an extra rating. Yeah, it'll it'll help people find the podcast and see if they like it too. All right, thanks guys. We'll check back in before the season starts with a Pistons primer.